We know diversity and inclusion is big in our vocabulary right now. It's something that a lot of brands, a lot of companies are trying to implement, and rightfully so. But just how well do you do it? Are we speaking to an entrepreneur, public speaker, and author, the founder of Story MKTG, a creative agency focused on diversity and inclusion, and the author of Motivation Mondays. Listen, he has worked on President Barack Obama's My Brother's Keeper campaign. He knows what he's talking about. His name is Christian Benjamin. We're excited to welcome him. This is Stuck in the Middle podcast, a platform for entrepreneurs, innovators, creators of African descent, where we hear stories, ideas, and experiences of how we can break the mold. I'm Reflex, your host. I'm excited to get into this interview. I hope you keep it locked. Do not exit this video. Watch to the end. I think it's a lot of great information. Keep it locked. It's stuck in the Middle. I'm your host, Reflex. Let's roll the intro and get into the video. <laughs> I got, I got some. I just um, came back home with some cigars, but uh, I went to New York and gave some away. But I still have some boxes here. You giving away for free or something? Oh, fa- family, you know, sitting on a, uh, sitting on there smoking. But you know what? I, I got you covered. After this, send me your address. I got you. I got, I got some cigars coming your way. Hey man, we're getting 85 cigars by Ocho Cinco straight yeah, from yeah. Christian Benjamin Santa stuck in the middle, man. <laughs> Listen, I am looking forward to it. Listen, bro, for who for people who don't know who you are, who is Christian Benjamin? Who is Christian Benjamin? If you were to introduce yourself to like a 60-year-old, yeah. 70-year-old, 90-year-old lady. Right, right, right. Man, I would say it's a pleasure to meet you, beautiful. No, <laughs> <laughs> man, I, I just love the talk. Um, I, I consider myself an entrepreneur, an uh, author. And I now call myself an alchemist. Mm-hmm. Um, I practice alchemy because they say alchemy is, um, you know, turning regular material into gold and silver. And I feel like that's my job, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not bound by any one uh, vertical. I actually work in the realm of turning ideas into reality. So how I like to explain it is my nine to five per se is an agency I run called Story Marketing, where it's a creative agency where we help brands and organizations reach people of color, you know, African-American descent, African descent global, uh, because a lot of these brands and organizations, they sit in these rooms and they don't look nothing like us. Right. They make decisions for us. Right. And that's, that, 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 that is, the time for that is over. And that was before all the stuff that's happening now. So we help them come up with visions and, and you know, visuals and ideas and content that actually speak to uh, our communities authentically. And then as I always say, my hustles or my side jobs, whatever we want to call it, uh, my book, Monday Motivation, that I work on, that, that I send out every, I send out Monday Motivations every week that I write. And I'm also, uh, I have a book that's coming out at the end of the year, the same title. And 85 Cigars, the thing that everybody stops me in the street about. They used to stop me about story marketing, my agency, but now everybody stops me about 85 Cigars. Can I get a cigar? So I partnered with Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson and start launching a cigar brand that is doing extremely well. It's, it's such a blessing. And, that goes back to my original statement about alchemy, creating nothing, something from nothing. Like this was the idea that was just thrown around, and now I can go to different cities or different, even different countries, and I see people, them in stores, see people smoking it. They don't even know me. They don't even know I run. They're just like this is what they enjoy. So that's, I'm going to use this word a lot just to get ready for it. It's a blessing. Mm, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, that's it's really it's a blessing. But you know, so your story actually is kind of different because you grew up in DC, kind of you know, so like a, not in a traditional family, kind of unorthodox. Talk about that, man. Your upbringing, yeah. and how that made you, you know, so the person that you are today. Man, my upbringing, 
it we it was some a lot of ups and downs, but I would not change one element of my upbringing. It feels like, to be honest with you, that everything that I went through was put together for me to be the man I am today. So mm-hmm. uh, very unique. It, I was uh, adopted at uh, maybe one month old. I came into my mother's house at two days old and they kept me. They ran a foster home. They decided mm-hmm. to keep me. My mother said there was something special about me. So she kept me. I grew up in an African-American household. I actually thought my mother was white for a long time because she was light-skinned. So I used to argue with her that she was white. <laughs> but she was like, I'm light-skinned, I'm not white. When I was like really young, you know, and, and we were very close. My mother and I were extremely close. And my father and I are super close now, but you know your father is, you always button heads because my father was a preacher. So every element of my upbringing kind of leads to where I am today, like my spirituality and my, I think my speaking and all those things led from watching my father preach to the church. My mother ran a foster home. I got to raise a lot of children that were just like me, but I didn't see it as any different. I just saw it like, this is a normal family dynamic until I went to school and people made fun of me like, that's weird, you have weird brothers and sisters. And then I stopped Mm. talking about it for a long time. And then my mother passed away when I got, when I was about 21 years old, that was, that was the pivotal changing point in my life because my mother was my best friend and that's mm-hmm. no conjecture. You know, she we were, the only reason I even played football was because of her and she didn't get to go to any of my games or anything like that. So I was really down about that, but that's how I ended up deciding to start a business only because I wanted to do something that kind of supported her legacy and I wanted to be as great as she always told me I would be. And then a couple years later, I ended up meeting my birth mother who's a Trinidadian and we became very, very close. We're close to this day. And then my birth father side, which is Nigerian, and all my siblings over there, and my birth father. So it, the, he's, a, he's an amazing businessman, you know what I mean? Which is crazy because I never knew a business owner, never met an entrepreneur in my life until I started a business. But it was uh, ingrained in me. My mother is a poet and a creative and an artist. I'm obviously an artist and a creative. So all these elements, four elements from four different people, all came together and put me where I'm at today. And without one of them, I wouldn't be sitting here in this interview with you. And that's incredible. Speaking of fostering, you actually a board member of Fostering Change Network Foundation. Uh, what yeah. is that about? And what, you know, what impact does it have in the world? You know, like your story yeah, yeah. alone is like, you know, saying like crazy. Yeah, yeah. So Fostering Change, how I became a board member there, they asked me to speak at an event a couple of years ago. And after I spoke, they actually asked me to be a, a board member and support them. And I've been with them ever since. Uh, What Foster and Change does is they support graduates of the foster care system. So this is really, this is really, um, I want to say, this is really a high-end subject that I want to touch on because I didn't even know this was a thing because like I said, I was adopted at two Mm -hmm. days old. So everybody is privileged. You never know what privilege you have, even if you come from a rough situation. I didn't have to go through foster care in the, in the natural sense where you graduate from foster care at 21 years old. Mm-hmm. So once you're 21, your family no longer has you. And a lot of people, a lot of adults that are like you and me, and, and, and we seem normal per se, quote, air quotations, they don't have a place to go to on Christmas, on Thanksgiving, play, uh, or home to go back to on Thanksgiving. You know, you're 30, 40, 25, you go back home, there's no home for them to go back to. They graduated out and the, they, a lot of the families don't, they push them away and don't care about them. They're not part of their family, right? So the, what Foster and Care, uh, Foster and Change, I, I want to say, is about is they support alumni of foster care by giving them anything that's needed in terms of uh, services, uh, 
and, and you're 21 and up, so, so a lot of people are, are they call it aged out of foster care, you know, help with businesses that they're trying to uh, create, uh, career paths um, in terms of the knowledge behind that, mental health, different things like that. They're regular, everybody's regular. You and I, we're all the same, but, you know, to have that background element of where you come from and, and kind of not knowing, a lot of people don't know who their, where their history is, who their parents were, yeah. anything like that. And that affects you as an adult, as we all know. The, the things we've been through, the trauma we've been through as children affects us uh, throughout our whole life. Thanks. So it's really to support alumni of the foster care system and it really actually enlightened and heightened my vision to, I guess my awareness to the privilege I had because I didn't age out of foster care. My mother adopted me, so I grew up with my family. They were my family. It's no different than mm -hmm. anybody else who, who was a biological family. I didn't mm -hmm. see any difference, right? Mm -hmm. And there's no difference to this day, but there's a lot of people that don't have that story. Right. So, and to hear from someone like myself who was in the foster care system or hear other people who were in the system and they can help them in different goals in their life, man, it means a lot. You know, that mm -hmm. when, when somebody has your story or similar background and can understand what things feel like, what the trauma feels like, what not knowing where you come from feels like, what being, feel like you've been left on the street or something like that, you know, and as an adult, you, you see different issues that you've had as a young person showing itself as an adult. The Foster and Change Network really helps with all of that. Hmm. So you're Haitian, American, Nigerian. Uh, how many siblings do you have? <laughs> uh, tr Trinidadian, Nigerian. <laughs> Trinidadian, Nigerian, American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I have, so I have to count it on my finger because I was raised with two siblings. My little right. brother was adopted, and my and my little sister, my younger. I can't call them little. They're, they're a couple years younger than me. They're in their 30s and late 20s. But to me, they're my little brother, little sister. You mm -hmm. know, my my little sister was uh, my mother's biological child. She's the youngest. So I have a brother and a sister. And then I have three more sisters and another brother on mm -hmm. my uh, Nigerian side. And then my father remarried and I have two more sisters. So I have nine siblings now. Mm -hmm. I was raised with two, but we're all very close. Like the crazy thing about my uh, three sisters and, and brother on my Nigerian side is if you saw us in a room together or you was out with us, you would never guess that we didn't grow mm -hmm. up together. It would be no, it, it wouldn't even make sense to you. Like mm -hmm. we just literally formed a relationship at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019. You would never guess it. We're yeah. all alike. We all enjoy each other. We, we talk every single day. It's the, it's the biggest blessing in the world. I got to ask me. I got to ask, man, because, you know, say our, our, our audience, the sisters in our audience, the ladies in our audience, always curious. Are you single, you married, your DMs open? <laughs> man, my DMs were open at the beginning of the COVID, and now my DMs are shut down. It, it is, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, in, I'm in a relationship. We're very close. Okay, it's an amazing, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's a different thing for me because I've been a, a Bruce Wayne for a long time. So <laughs> pray for me. I, I, but it's a, it's an amazing experience to have someone that shares your your similar background, similar ideas. Uh, you can bounce goals off each other, mm -hmm. and it it is true that um, every man needs someone, needs that woman by his side, uh, not behind him, but partner with them too. Mm -hmm. It just gives me that energy to keep going. I've always been a very, very, very highly motivated person of myself. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to levels that I didn't even think I could reach. So, right. yeah. yeah. Let's talk story market, man. Let's talk story market. 
<laughs> uh, what's behind the name story marketing? What services? You know, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. Just yeah. want to give into it. Uh, what's behind the yeah. name? What, what what specific services do you offer? So story marketing was a transition from when I first started the business. I told you about when my mother passed away. I started a creative agency. Right. I named it Twelve Twenty Six Studios. That's what a lot of people knew about. Uh, Twelve Twenty Six was named after my mother's birthday. She mm. was born the day after Christmas. So our logo, everybody knew about it. it was a heart. And it's, I still use it in everything that we do. Uh, it was mm. a heart with a line in it that looked like it looked. Everybody used to think it was a broken heart, but it actually mm. was the line in the clock. Uh, mm. It looked like the hands of a clock at twelve twenty six. So it was embedded mm. in the heart to say I was passionate about this forever, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then I, a uh, couple years later, into you know running business, things going well, focusing kind of more so on digital marketing and branding. I partnered with another agency name at that time. His name was Status Brand. It was out based out in Philadelphia, and uh, we merged into one agency. So we changed the name into one name, Story Marketing. And then a couple years back, I ended up taking over the entire agency. So we kept it going from there. But Story Marketing, yeah, I feel like it fits the name, the, the what we do better because we tell stories. We help organizations and brands and people tell their their mission, their story in an authentic way. Uh, the exact services, a lot of the times we do diversity and inclusion and marketing workshops. We'll do, uh, we'll help or big organizations like the United Nations or YCD based out of San Fran with social media uh, in terms of outreach to their unique communities. We'll help we're actually about to start shooting a document, a documentary in San Francisco about the Bay Area and how uh, young community developers have helped the Bay Area for 41 years. So I don't, I always, I, it may sound a bit vague in terms of being, we're in the creative space that helps brands tell their story. But the reason why is because we don't want to bind ourselves to a medium of telling that story. We're going to tell it in the right way and we're going to use something digital to do so, but not every organization or brand or, or product needs to be it may not be a social media thing, it may be a film. It may be a new, a digital, an exciting digital presence that is very engaging. It may be a unique campaign that you see at an event. It, whatever it may be, we help those brands tell that story in a creative way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned one thing that you do, uh, you do well and have been doing it for a while is diversity and inclusion, you know what I mean? Especially in this climate that we're in right now. It's a, it's a hot button topic. A lot of brands are talking about it. Uh, what one way, or what is one thing that brands need to know about diver diversifying, diversifying their brand and you know, their company? Oh man, one thing, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, I would say you have to start with authenticity. When you look in a room, when you're coming up with ideas for a community that you're not involved in, no matter how passionate you are, I always start with love. I always, I, I start with, what I mean by starting with love is whenever I talk about some of these companies or brands that I've been able to step into and mm -hmm. people will get angry because they'll say, how could they decide to do something for, you know, African-Americans and nobody in that room is African-American. I start with love where I say, I assume that they're starting with the pathway of they're trying to do something well. And by, what I mean by that is a lot of the companies I work with or organizations, they're nonprofits. Mm -hmm. They started with a mission to do something for the community, but that doesn't mean they're doing it right in terms of not their mission, but their outreach. But they still started in a positive, with a positive mindset. Now, when they actually outreach, uh, create their outreach to the community, it comes off as disrespectful a lot because you know when you're trying to talk like any community that you're not a part of 
or speak to or dictate to, you disrespect them. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get these national, um, like, like um, well, these national campaigns that go viral for the wrong reasons because they did something disrespectful. They thought they were doing something great, but they disrespected the community they were trying to be speak to or be a part of because they don't know. So when I say, when I, I would say start with authenticity by if you find yourself creating uh, outreach or, or or some something creative or anything for a community that you're not involved in, mm-hmm. but you don't have anybody from that community in the room giving you feedback on what they feel and how it makes them feel, then you're starting off on the wrong foot. Mm-hmm. What's the goal though? What's the goal of diversity? You know, that's a that's a pretty dope baseline. Yeah. What's the goal for you know diversity and inclusion for brands? I would, well, I'm going to answer that by saying what my goal is for them, because mm-hmm. every organization is going to have a different, different goal. To be right. honest with you, some of their goals are going to be that they need to look good. Is I don't know. Mm-hmm. So everybody, some not everybody's going to come with the goal that's very, um, you know, is high level and golly. Some mm-hmm. some brands just want to make more money. Mm-hmm. They want to reach out and make more money. Yeah, that's that's not for me to say because everyone's different. But I know my goal is for not only for everybody every community to feel respected when they're being spoken to and be respected and be spoken to in an authentic manner, mm-hmm. but also for them to take lead every community to start taking leadership in how these organizations are working with them and supporting them and, 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 you know, pitching to them in terms of whatever it is that they want, not just saying that, Hey, we're going to sell you this idea, but also we value your opinion enough that we're hiring, uh, and bringing in leadership and creating leaders within these communities that we're trying mm-hmm. to make money from, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not big enough. It's not good enough for me that they increase their sales to the black community. Like, okay, mm-hmm. but what, who, where's your leadership? Why, why are none of your board members black? Mm-hmm. How come none of your staff is black? Like I, I'm here to fix that goal. And when I, I've been out in San Francisco and I'm being serious when I say I'm here to fix that goal, because I spoke, I, I'm not going to say the, 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 or the, the social media platform, but it was a very high social media platform. And I'm able to say things that other people can't say because I don't work for them. So Mm -hmm. I I was able to sit on a stage and say, look, I'm not doing nothing here. Like, I see no, you're trying to say you're trying to reach the African-American community, but half, most of your employees don't look like me. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you have to go out and do affirmative action on our behalf, but there's a lot of young people that are smarter than me, that can do better than me in terms of this job, and mm-hmm. they're not getting hired, right? Because it's all about the, the old boy, uh, you know, the, the old boy network, where, mm-hmm. hey, I feel like I can have a beer with you. And it, no, you got to step outside your culture and bring in people from our community because we're the highest purveyors of all these platforms. Mm-hmm. What's the role? What's the role of a digital marketer for a brand? You know, you mentioned you know being able to you know tell stories for some some brands that you work with. What's the role of a of a digital marketer for a brand? Uh, a digital marketer, in its high level sense, is someone who can come in and has a really really great ideas and knowledge of the community that they're trying to reach. And when I say community, I don't mean it in a racial sense. Mm-hmm. Communities are very like a very authentic audience base. Whether it's uh, it is a, a racial component to it, but also uh, not every black people are not monolithic. No race or no culture is monolithic. There's mm-hmm. African Americans who like a certain type of music and go to a certain place. There's seventy-year-old right. Caucasians that are from another country that like to do something. So you figure out how to reach a certain audience 
digitally online, um, using components of the web, social media, email, uh, television at this point, because a lot of people, more people consume their television on their phones and their mm -hmm. computers than they do on their actual TV at, at times. So you figure out how to best, best reach uh, a target audience using multiple digital components mm -hmm, to push mm -hmm. the narrative that the brand wants to push. Yeah. What's, what strategies do, what strategies, um, mm -hmm. do, you know, brands need to be tapping into right now that, you know, going to leverage, you know, they as far as digital marketing is concerned right now, because a lot of stuff, especially with COVID is turning to, you know, the digital, digital world right now, it's, you know, even, you know, this meeting that we're talking about right, right now, what's something that you've come across in your, your experience and research that brands need to be tapping into to take advantage of and leverage their brand? Uh, it would really be something I, I, I would say that's a little outside of the digital sense. It's more awareness. Uh, mm -hmm. Brands, so the new, the upcoming generations are really more focused on value more than they're focused on your product. Mm -hmm. Their value comes first and the product comes second. So if your values don't align with their values, remember when I was young, uh, Nike could side with Donald Trump all day and, and we would have still bought Nike. Mm -hmm, it's just, mm -hmm. we just didn't, brands and politics didn't mix. They never spoke about their politics. Right. Today, you gotta, you gotta pick a line where you're going with and you gotta mm -hmm. support the Black Lives Matter movement or the, you gotta speak out against injustice and certain things or the community is not gonna buy your product, not gonna support mm -hmm. you, they're not gonna support anything that you're doing. So you have to, brands, before they step online and start pushing campaigns, they have to start drawing lines in the sand. Not saying they have to get knee deep into politics. Everybody mm -hmm. doesn't want to get knee deep into politics. I, I'm not going to get knee deep into politics. But value is a big deal, bigger deal than it was before. And now since, like you said, with COVID happening and there's not much touch, there's more uh, visual, mm -hmm. they have to visualize how their audience, how they can provide value to the audience they're trying to reach. I'll give you a small example. Even though this wasn't during COVID, a couple of years back, I worked on my brother's keepers project under the White House with mm -hmm. Obama, and we didn't just do a campaign that was we did commercials that was uh, promoted promoting my brother's keeper, but we also created platforms for young youth, African American, African Hispanic youth, to uh, get tutored and and mentored by uh, business owners and, and influencers within the community. They also mm -hmm. created platforms that they could learn STEM and different educational resources. And this was all done under the My Brother's Keeper platform because it's not just about reaching an audience, it's about providing value to that audience. So I've, been, I've spoken to, uh, I'll say another brand that remains nameless, but I remember talking to one of their diversity directors and saying, man, that's a cool campaign, it was super viral. It was on Twitter for eight weeks, it, it got 10 million impressions, that's cool. But after mm -hmm. that's done, what did you really do? for the community, for, for and that, what they were trying to reach was men, and they were trying to teach men how to respect women more, mm -hmm. right? But it was like, that was cool, everybody loved it, that won a lot of awards, but I wanna see uh, different activations that also men can also, after they get inspired by that cool commercial, you have a link that I can go to, and it may, it may send me to a website, I'm just giving a concept that may teach me about microaggressions, things that men do that they don't realize they're doing to women and saying to little girls that make them feel uncomfortable. You know, that that now is value. I'll now use that more. You know, you didn't just do something cool and sell me a product. I'm actually learning how to be a better man based yeah. on your lessons.
Damn, that's dope. That's dope. That's dope. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit. Talk about the love of art brand. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? What is that about? You know, you mentioned a little bit earlier about your creative side as well. Uh, tell us about, you know, tell us about that. You do, you, you curate uh, the love of art brand. What's that about? Yeah, love our brand. Um, a lot of the things that I started, started without a, 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 a clear path of where they were going. I wouldn't say to do that, but I, I really started <laughs> love our brand. The funny story about love our brand is that it only started because I, when I started building my team on our 1226 studios, I felt like, well, when they go out and do video and do and meet people, I want them to have the same t-shirts on. That, that's like what you do, right? It was mm -hmm. like eight, six years ago, seven years ago. And so I designed some t-shirts, but then I made the quote unquote mistake of putting them on social media. Like, oh, look at these cool t-shirts. All these people started, this might've been before DM, but I remember everybody was hitting me up. I want to buy it. I want to buy one. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, oh, this is only for my team. But then I thought about it, I was like, man, this is pretty cool. They want to buy the shirt with the heart on it. At that point, it was just a shirt with a heart on it. And then I started thinking about, because I'm always going to think about how to support. I, I always believe in supporting people that come from where I come from, that could be doing better than what I'm doing when they're my age, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? It's not about getting the proceeds and, and just pocketing all the money. I want to do something that creates and supports young artists in the world that didn't know there was careers in design and creativity and technology and different because I never knew that until I was in my 20s right so what we did was we started and I say we because I had you know everything that we're doing I, I have a little bit of little team around me but we started creating different shirts with different quotes on them or different designs and then using the proceeds to uh support organizations that support youth that are learning technology and art and design mm -hmm. and so but with the social media platform we didn't want to just use it to promote t-shirts and just put t-shirts up all day that's not we started saying oh let's share art from the community you know from uh people of color who are not are not really or kind of overlooked but share their art on social media and that's what we're going to use our social media platform to do is share art and raise awareness to all these amazing creatives that a lot of these designers and creatives mm -hmm. man they're they're off the chain like i'm like what the heck who are these people they're like the greatest right but we, we just support them on our social media on our instagram platform yeah man when i hear you speak you know what i mean like i hear a lot of you know uplifting people which is an incredible thing and also not just brands but also uplifting people and you know what i mean like one thing that people who know you or people who might have heard about you or you know would recognize and remember from you is motivation mondays which actually started as a weekly newsletter and has you know morphed into a whole book like yeah. you know what i mean like the consistency like you know what I'm saying like <laughs> why motivation mondays how did you you know what I'm saying like get the message out there and talk 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 to us about a book as well yeah, man, as, as all my stories have started, it started out just as a thing and grew into a big thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was like, growing up, I, I obviously when you heard my background story, I've been through a lot of things, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of quote, tragic situations, a lot mm -hmm. of, there was a lot of understanding, a lot of a hopelessness I felt, and I was able to come out on the other side not through my own doing, but through my spirituality, through God, through my family, through friends that are that I'm still with to this day. Mm -hmm. And you know, a lot of the things I was I was able to accomplish and still do with life, I kind of had this syndrome where you feel like you made it out, but you left some people behind, mm -hmm. right? 
So, and then another thing was that every morning I woke up on Mondays, especially when I opened Total Tony C Studios, I felt so excited. It was like a dream. I was living a dream. Something I thought mm -hmm. I would never do was run a business. But I knew that everybody else, we were taught that Mondays are supposed to suck. Like, oh, I hate Mondays. Mondays suck. Uh, you know, everybody just talked bad. They, they, I would go to my office. I had built this studio in Adams Morgan, DC. I would see people walking around with their heads down. I can't wait till Saturday. Man, I'm like, man, what the heck? There's no time for that with me. I'm like, nah, I'm gonna start doing a newsletter. I just started typing, right? I started typing a newsletter uh, every Monday where I just talk, sold my thoughts about what we could work on every week. Like there's always something you can think about work on. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be business related. It's just something. If you go into Monday with a goal for that week, you're gonna have a great week because it makes every day worth it, not just Saturday and Sunday, right? There's something you can work on. That comes from my sports background. You don't just, if you play basketball or football, you don't just, work on what you're good at, you go to practice every day and try to work on something that you're bad at. That way practice isn't my day. So I started writing it and I never paid attention to it. I just wrote it and sent them out every Monday. One day, the turnaround was I was at an event and somebody saw me and they was like, yo, that's you. And I was like, oh, they must know me from, you know, 85 or something. Came over and said, man, I'm on your Monday motivation list. It blessed my whole life. I changed my life. And stuff. I was like, wow. And then I started getting emails from like, companies and schools and people like, hey, we shared this with our entire company. We shared this with our school. You're doing a great job. Keep. I, I never met these people in my life. What turned out was people on the email list were blessed by it, would send it to somebody else or send it to their job or send it to people they work with. And I looked at my email subscriber list. I had thousands of subscribers. I, and, that's, and that's the truth. I didn't even do it for that reason. Mm -hmm. So then I started being consistent to turn into something where I had to be very consistent with it. But one day, one of my close friends who worked in television they asked me, uh, it was a Roland Martin show and when it was still on the air, they asked me to come on to the show. And right before I came on to the show, the producer said, you know what? I don't think you should do the show. And I, I was like, why? You know, she said, um, because I really want you to gain from it and you don't have anything tangible. You come on the show, you'll talk about money motivation and then you'll go home and we'll get all the publicity from it. Mm -hmm. She said, you should have a book. And people have always told me I should have a book, but I never, I'm like, eh, whatever, I'm not writing a whole book. I never, I didn't have confidence in my writing skills, which is funny to say, but the, all it takes is for me to kind of know how to get something done and that, that inspires me. So she was like, you, it's 52 weeks in a year. Just write 52 Monday motivations. That gave me the aha, I was like, you're right. Then, you know, it just gave me the, Wow. And that, then I started writing the book. And when I started pushing it out there to people in terms of how I'm doing this thing, I started giving a lot of support. And I wanted to make it very, very clear. And I make it clear in the book and I want to make it clear now because I don't believe in there's nobody that's all knowledge about anything, whether it's dating, whether it's religion, whether it's motivation, inspiration, business. They, there's nobody that knows everything about everything, any, anything. So the motivations I write don't particularly come from my brain. A lot of them are things that I may have experienced or seen someone experience. And I'm writing about either how I got through that experience or how I watched someone get through that experience or how I learned about something. So I want to make it clear that it's not just me thinking about a scenario and then giving my answer to it. Because I'm not the all, I'm not the all being, all knowledge, all power of anything. But there's, there's scenarios that fit every, you know, whether it's love, relationships, business, rejection, you know, tragedy, grief, growth, you know, whatever I'm talking about, it's a, it's a compilation of experiences that I feel like every human being has, no matter your race, age, color, background, culture. Mm -hmm. So, um, man, yeah, that's probably the greatest thing at this moment that I'm leaving man. behind.
Listen, man, I picture myself like Steve Harvey, man, Monday, you know what I'm saying? Reading one of the Monday Motivation, smoking one of them, you know what I'm saying? Like 85 cigars. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? How many yeah. of them things you, how many of them things you, you know what I'm saying, you consume in a month, year, whatever? So I'm not a huge cigar smoker. Chad is the one who <laughs> yeah, smokes. He probably it. smokes three a day. You <laughs> know, that, that, so Chad is, Chad loves cigars, man. That's his thing. Cigars give me a headache. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm probably more of a, once every two weeks, once a month guy. You know, when I'm sitting out, like like you said, before the podcast started, sitting on the porch mm -hmm. with a group of friends, enjoying a nice cigar. Mm -hmm. And it is like golf. You know, I, I, I'm not a golfer yet, mm -hmm. but you know how they say, like, all business deals are done on the golf course? Mm -hmm. Cigars are definitely like that. I love the cigar community because it is very true that you'll have a, a, a multimillionaire at a cigar lounge, talking shop with a janitor next to a school teacher next mm. to an athlete. And everybody's the same when they're smoking a cigar in that lounge. Everybody mm. feels the same. There's no hierarchy. Everybody's just enjoying the cigar, talking about life. It's like one of those things that just, when you're in that room, everybody's the same. Everybody talks, everybody enjoys life. They talk about the cigar, how they taste. They talk about whatever's on the TV. They talk about life, ideas. Man, the cigar community is amazing. But mm -hmm. yeah, that that is um that that's a pretty cool. I never saw myself. If you asked me five, six years ago, anything I'm doing the cigar business probably would have been, I would have never guessed that. <laughs> man, you got you got you gotta you gotta send us a box, man. You know what I'm saying? I got you gotta, you hey, man. Yeah, text me text me the address after, send me the email. You got cigars coming your way. How do you balance, you know what I'm saying, everything you got going on, man? How do you balance your basic life? Um, I balance it on paper. Mm. And, I, and, I, and I say that seriously. What, what you can't see is in my um, wall in front of me, it, this came from, a, it's almost like another, I always dive into these many stories, but uh, one of my close friends who actually started the story marketing with me, who was still my close, one of my closest mm. friends to this day, um, one time I was going through something some years back and he told me, Man, you need to surround yourself around love. And, and that hit me. And it wasn't just about people, because I, I'm around people that I love, but it hit me about even my ideas. I love ideas. I love moving forward. So mm. I wrote on poster boards every idea that I ever had and put it up on the wall so that every time I looked anywhere when I was at home, I had to see those ideas. And I knew I had something to work for mm -hmm. and something to do and something, not only a big goal, but little tasks to get to that big goal. And I never got tired and unorganized. So I literally just restarted doing that again a couple of weeks ago. So in front of me, I have all these poster boards. One says Story Market, one says 85 Cigars, Christian Benjamin, the brand, launching products, big dreams personally. And I have, it's called it a brand dashboard. And I have my long-term goals sitting up there on each poster board. I have the short-term goals to reach those long-term goals. And then I have the task it's gonna to take to get there. So how I'm balancing it all is there's always something to do, but it all has this time period, this hierarchy, and I don't mm -hmm. leave my personal life out of it because I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a guy that says uh, there's is a separation between business and personal. It, mm -hmm. And to me, there's no separation because if your spirit isn't right, you're not going to be. You're not going to work right. You know, mm -hmm. At least for myself, when I have really bad days, I come in the office and I'm kind of quiet. I, I might not really want to be there, right? Mm -hmm. So I got to keep my spirit up. I can't turn it off and on. I can't be a happy guy at work and a sad guy at home. You know, I, I got to kind of work on everything holistically. When I'm happy and I'm doing well at home, 
I'm going to do the same. I'm going to treat people right. You know what I mean? That's my whole goal. I want to leave this earth and everybody that had an experience with me, they're going to remember that experience. Mm -hmm. And that's my goal. That's my big goal. That's the truth. That's my big goal. So mm -hmm. everything I do has to support that, but I have to do, you know, as to kind of answer your question, I have my tasks all lined out and I can always see them. And that's how I keep all these things that seem very abstract together. Mm. I mean, I love it, man. Listen, bro. If people want to get in contact with you, find out more about the brand, find out more about Christian Benjamin and everything you got going on. How can they, how can they get in contact with you? I would say Instagram is the top place. Just go to Instagram. You'll find all the octopus arms from there. Mm -hmm. At Christian Benjamin, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N. At Christian Benjamin, you'll find everything. And I also want to say that the next post that I'm putting up today, this is Monday, this is Monday Motivation Day, is actually about Kobe Bryant and how mm -hmm. the mama mentality actually saved my, 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 my life work. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a very true story. It's 824 today on a Monday. Yes, so yes. It's the, I believe in numbers and synergy. And I'm being interviewed and able to say that this is happening. So no, there's no chance meetings. This is happening right now because it's supposed to. Yes. But go to Christian Benjamin. I want you to click that um, when you read when you when you hear this. I want you to click the article where I wrote, I wrote that tells you the story of how Kobe's mama mentality saved my 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 life's work and just whatever else that you feel free to support support and then hit me up on a DM or something and I'll support you. Yes, 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 yes. 824, let's do it, man. Listen, Christian Benjamin, we have had the honor and privilege of speaking with incredible brother, man. He's a public speaker, author, the founder of Story Marketed, a creative agency focused on diversity and inclusion, and the author of Motivation Mondays. Again, 824, go peep the blog. He gave you his Instagram and all that good stuff. Bro, appreciate you kicking it with us, man. This has been dope. Man, appreciate you, brother. Hey, email me that address. Yes. I need pictures of you smoking a cigar. <laughs> I got We're going to put man. it up and send it to Chad. He'll post it in the story, man. We're going to blow this thing up. Yes, sir. I'm going to do it, man. I got you. I'm going to do it. Listen, this has been Stuck in Middle Podcast. If you enjoy what you heard, what you watched, hit that subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the ringer so you get updates every time we drop something new. This is a platform for entrepreneurs and invaders, creators of African descent. We hear stories, ideas, and advice on how we can break the mold. If you want to support us, go on sitmpodcast.com backslash store shop merch. That's how we're able to drive this machine forward. Shout out to AK in the background producing. Shout out to mom making the machines happen. Shout out to Chiwi and all the other crew members. Appreciate y'all. Thank y'all so much. And we out. <laughs>